welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. If you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I'll give you all a couple of seconds to get there. Uh, who know, who's glad that it is now September so we can now wear sweaters without getting picked on. Does anybody hear me? Because I wear sweaters and jackets all the time. It's part of my style, you know. Uh, but now I can wear it without people saying, you do know it's 100 degrees outside. Like, you don't know how many times I hear that, like, all the time. But I'm glad it's September and it's still 100 degrees. So, but, but I'm still going to wear my sweaters. Like, as you see, my jackets. Uh, so hopefully you are there by now. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it reads this. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem... A man came running to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why, why, do you, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. He said, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You, you must not cheat, cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Before I finish, I'll stop right there. Isn't it awesome? Because a lot of us, we we would look at this person, or we like to look at people, and we feel genuine annoyance with people, right? Or we feel genuine, like, disgust or, like, judge. Right? For people, like, we look at people's problems or what's wrong with them, and we're just like, ew. You know, does anybody feel me? Like, we feel, like, genuine annoyance. But who knows, right? Who knows it's awesome that we serve a God like, he sees our brokenness, he sees what's wrong, he sees where we're hurting, and yet he still feels, it says, genuine love for us. So I just think that it's awesome that we serve that kind of God. And it says that Jesus felt genuine love for him. Then he said, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. What I'm going to talk about today, like I said, it really fits in what Pastor Bob was talking about earlier, is the title of my message is The Security in Surrender. And at that, let's pray. God, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking through me. God, thank you for your, your Holy Spirit that has already taken over and continues to this, lead this service, God. continues to speak through us and touch our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, I want to talk about a quick story real quick. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I want to say like 17, 16, I had this friend named Sammy. And see, me and Sammy, you know, we, uh, we hang out a lot. And one summer, a couple summers ago, we wanted to go kayaking. And so we had like these cool two little kayaks that my family owns. And so we went off to uh, Corpus Christi or North Padre Island. Does anyone know what we're talking about? Like there's South Padre, that's like the cool Padre, and then there's North Padre. There's nobody really goes to. But like, that's where we were at. And so we went to North Padre Island, and we wanted to go kayaking. And uh, so we go to this, uh, you know, I forgot what the bay is called in, in Corpus Christi. We went out, and we're about to go kayaking. We get into the bay, and we look out, and we see this island, like, a mile and a half away. And we're looking at it, and we see, like, there's beach houses, and there's, like, boats around it. And I was looking at my friend Sam, and I was like, bro, that's where the party's at. Like, we need to somehow get over there. And uh, so... We were like, let's do it. And to this day, you can ask my parents. I thought I asked them. Apparently, I didn't ask them for us to go over there, but I thought I did. But anyways, so we set off to that island. And it's like a mile and a half away, and we're kayaking. 
and it was pretty tough. The wind was against our backs, so the wind was helping us. Uh, it took us about 20 minutes to get there, and we get to this island. It was called Bird Island, and the island was a dump, like an absolute dump. Like, isn't it funny? Like, from far away, things can look so awesome. Like, other people's lives can look so awesome or, like, things. But once you get close, you start realizing, you know, that not everything is what it seems. So we get to this bird island. Like, all the beach houses have been abandoned. Like, there's no boat somewhere around. I don't know what I was seeing. Like, nobody was there. Like, it was abandoned. And so me, me and Sammy were, like, super bummed. But we're like, you know, let's explore. So we explored the island. There's like, like, it was a dump. Like, it was no reason. And, like, all around the island, um, like, it, since it's an island, like, all the seaweed has this over years caked up. And so like, there was, like, a wall of seaweed around that we had to go through. It was, like, nasty. I was like, why did we do this? So we spent about 30 minutes on this island. And they're like, you know what? This was a bust. Let's go back. Well, like I said, the wind was against our backs on the way to the island. Well, then on the way back to the mainland, we were going against the wind. And the wind at on this day was like 25 miles per hour, which me and Sammy, we didn't really know what that meant. But when we start making our way to back to the mainland, we're going, and we've been we're paddling for about 10 minutes, and you know, me and Sam are talking, and we're hanging out, and they're like, man, it seems like we're going nowhere. You know, we're going, and we look back, and the island's like this far away. We're like, okay, what is going on? And what we're doing is that when we were paddling, like if we stopped for like half a second, we lost like 20 yards. It was crazy. So at first, we're like, oh, man, this kind of stinks. But then, like, after, like, another 10 minutes, we were, like, this serious. We are like, thinking we are going to die. Like, none of it, like, we weren't saying anything. And so we're going, we're paddling. And it's been about, like, 30 minutes, right? And at this point, my parents are already freaked out. They're calling the park rangers. They're like, but, Caleb, all we remember was seeing you off in the distance paddling away and then disappear, you know? And so they really call the park ranger. They're about to, like, helicopter us out. And we're about halfway back. It's been about 45 minutes. If anybody's been kayaking, it hurts after a while. Now, it hurts after a while, but I, we were going, like, nonstop. Like, it was past the point, like, I already passed that point where I couldn't feel my arms. Like, I couldn't feel my body. Like, I was just like this. But somehow, I was like, just keep on paddling. Like, it was, I don't know, it was God or something. And so we get about halfway, and we look. And I'm like, man, there's no way we're going to make it. And I look, and I see my parents. They're, like, they're waving. I see the park rangers waving. And they're halfway, and then I hear them, and they're saying, you know, they're saying, get out the kayaks. We're like, what? They're like, get out. And I was like, I ain't getting out this kayak, you know, we're in the ocean. They're like, get out. So finally we get out, and boom, and the water's like right here. And we've been paddling forever, and we could have just been walking. So it was, it was a killer, and me and Sam were like, oh, my, well, we were so thankful. It was a miracle, and we just like, there was like a little island halfway. We just passed out on that little, like, it was crazy. But that, that story made me realize is that a lot of us, just like me in a kayak, that we think that the only way we're going to get somewhere, the only way we're going to attain something, or the only way we're going to reach our promises is by our own strength and effort, right? Like I said, the only way I'm getting back is by me, by me going over there, right? But just like that, that is just like how we just read about, that's what this young guy was thinking when he was talking to Jesus, if we continue a little bit more into verse 26, um, this is, as we continue in the same story, this is what, G, what Jesus says. The disciples were astounded after hearing this. They said, then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. 
we've given it up, everything, to follow you. Like, I like Peter because he's the guy who, like, will say the things everybody's thinking. Because Jesus just told, told, like, this guy, like, even though you've done all this, you know, you still have to do more. And, like, Peter's like, well, we've given it all up for you, Jesus. Kind of mess up. And this is, you know, so I like Peter. But anyways, and he said, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake or for the good news will receive now in return. And I like that word now because a lot of us, we think that the word is later, right? A lot of times we're told, hey, follow Jesus, and then when you go to heaven, you'll have like a nice mansion. You know, everybody, or like, you know, but God says, yeah, that's true. But if you surrender to me, right, we're talking about surrender. If you give everything that's you in possessions to me, you will receive a hundredfold, as he says, now. Not later. He says now. And so that's, I love that word now because who knows, I kind of like it when it's now. Does anybody else like it now? You know, I don't say, but I like it. You know, I like it now. So I like that word. I like now. He says, you will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution and in the world to come that the person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. What, what Jesus was telling his disciples is that the only way to inherit the kingdom of God is to surrender it all to me. Excuse me. You see, we can either do two things. We can, like, who knows, like the world tells us that if we surrender to our feelings and to our emotions, then we'll be fulfilled, right? That's what the world tells us to do. But see, there's two things we can do. We can either surrender to the world or can surrender to God's word. And God's word said, if you surrender to me, because who knows, like, the world promises fulfillment, it only delivers heartbreak and chaos, right? Like, there's a lot of decisions we made that we said, hey, you know what, this is going to work out because it feels good. And then, like, 10 minutes later, we're like, oh, shoot, that was the wrong decision. Like, they, the world promises awesome things, but only delivers heartbreak and chaos. But when we surrender to God's word, it says, when you surrender to me, you will inherit my kingdom. That means you will inherit the consistency of his grace and love. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about what this surrendering really means. Excuse me, as I have I've had allergies this week, so hear me sniffle. Because this surrender, when we give God full control, because I looked up and said, what does surrender mean? Well, surrender comes from the Greek word, you know, help me if I say this right, paradidami. All right, did anybody catch that? Because neither did I. Paradidami. That's what surrender comes from is the Greek word. But this Greek word means to yield, to transmit, or to entrust full control to. So when God was saying, hey, surrender it all to me, young guy, if you really want to inherit everything, he said, entrust me with all what you have. And the guy, the reason when we read the guy put his head down is because he had a lot of things. He had a lot of possessions, and he wasn't ready to entrust them or give control of those things to God. So that's what surrender means. It means to entrust everything that we have and give it to God. So you ready to, now i got a few points. So you ready to dive into them? Let's do this. All right. So now we're talking about surrender. What does surrender mean? And this is my first point. It's that what you surrender to God is sowed into his kingdom. So what does that mean? Just like when he says, what was Jesus saying when he told the young guy or he's telling his disciples, you know, whatever you give to me will be a hundred times given back to you. What he was saying is that whatever you hand to me in my hands, whatever you sow to God, whatever you surrender, surrender to God will grow. 
will multiply. I'm saying like, if you want your job to grow, right, surrender it to God, right? If you want that marriage, if you want that relationship, I can go on and on and on. It works with everything, okay? I can say anything. If you want something to grow, if you want it to multiply, then you must surrender it to God. Because who knows that there's things in our hands that we keep so closely to us and are so important to us, and we think that if we have full control over it, that's the only way it will grow or sustain itself. But God is saying, hey, look, that thing, that strength that I have given to you, the only way that it will reach its full potential is if you give it back to me. So this is what he was telling the guy. Say, oh, you really want to inherit my kingdom? You really want to inherit the blessings and the promises that I have prepared for you? You must be ready to surrender it all. So that's the first point I have. It says, what you surrender to God is sown into his kingdom. And there's no better ground than the kingdom of God. That's why when we talk about tithes and offering, what you're doing is that you're sowing into his kingdom. You're surrendering your, fine, you're surrendering your finance, your treasure, or your talent to God, and you're sowing into, into his kingdom. Because my strengths in God's hands can multiply. But we are only limited to the things that we have. Like, I love the strengths I have. I know we all have strengths, and we love them. But they're only limited to what we are limited as ourselves, because we're all human. But there's only one unlimited power in this world, and that's... God's love and his grace. And so when we surrender it to God, it says that he will multiply a hundred times over. And I like that word too. I like now and I like multiply a hundred times over. You know, it makes a lot of sense and I, I like that. So now when I, when, I, when I see that, I say, you know what? I'm going to sow everything into you, God, because I want, I want it now and I want a hundred times over. That's God's promises, okay? So, you know, let's step into it. So that's the first point is that what you surrender to God is sowed into his kingdom. The second point on surrender is that there is stability in surrender. And if you want to turn with me to um, Job chapter 1, verse 6, and it reads this. Now, I'll give you a little context before I get started. A lot of us, we know the story of Job. You know, he was the guy who lost everything, right? He was the guy who the devil came, and, you know, it said that it, you know, uh, all his family died, you know, all his cattle, all his livestock died, like everything was taken away from this guy, everything. But if you look before the story, this is what God was saying about Job. It said that one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord has asked. Satan answered, Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked him, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity, he fears God, and he stays away from evil. So this is, this is God talking about Job before all this stuff happened. This is before his family dies. This is before, you know, um, all his livestock goes away. This is before his life gets turned upside down. He said, hey, look, my guy Job, he's solid. I said, why was Job solid? Because Job was a man who was fully surrendered to God. And when you are fully surrendered to God, there is stability in that. Because now everything is taken out of your hands and it's now in God's hands. You see, having stability isn't the number in your bank account, right? Having stability isn't the number of followers you have, or, have, or stability isn't what this world says it is, right? Stability is really what happens when a storm comes, right? Stability is what happens when, when how many hits can you take without falling down, right? To me, that's true stability. Stability isn't the shine or the dazzle, right? To me, stability is someone who stands firm. I say, like, you know, if there's any ladies in here, and if you want to know if that guy's really stable, right, right, we all know don't pay attention to him when everything's going right. 
right? That's not how you know somebody's stable, because everybody can look stable and everything's going right, right? But look at that guy when, when the pressure is high, right? When the choices get critical, when everything's falling apart, and then if you take a look and you examine what he's doing or what she's doing, then you can tell if they're stable. Because a true man or woman of God will stand firm when, right, when the enemy throws everything at them because they say, hey, you know what? I've already surrendered everything to God. I know he's got me. And so this is what God was talking about Job. He said, he is fully surrendered to me. So I know, devil, even if you do take everything away, even if you do all this, he will never forsake me. He'll never turn his back on me because he's already fully surrendered to him. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that is fully surrendered to God, that even though that this world thinks they can take away, I know that I'm secure and I am stable in him. And that's, that's part of surrender is that there's stability in that. See, when you surrender your worries to God, what you're doing is that you're, give, you're taking that control away from those worries, right? Because a lot of us, we have all these worries, we have these fears, and they control us, right? We, it's like a lot of us, we live, we are controlled by what we fear. We are controlled by our worries. We are controlled by our debt. We're controlled about these relationships. We have all these worries, and so we do everything we can to stop these fears or worries from happening, right? But when you surrender it all to God, what you're doing is that you're taking away that control from your worries, and you're giving it to God. And that's what Job did. He had these worries just like all of us, but he took those worries away, the control away from those worries, and he gave it to God. And so when the storm did come, he was stable. And so that's my second point is that there is stability in surrender. Are you all enjoying these first two points so far? Second point is God can only sustain what you surrender to him. And uh, this is, uh, I forgot to write it down, but I believe it is Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. I know they have it up there. I didn't write it up. Hey, look, I'm right. I know my Bible. You know. Um, but this is what it says. It says, okay, and I'll give you a little context before I get started. This is about the story of Abraham and Isaac. God has promised Abraham full, you know, his descendants would number the, the number in the sand or the number of the stars in the sky. He was saying, hey, like God told Abraham, he said, hey, look, bud, your descendants, you're going to have millions of descendants. That's basically what he told him. And so this is the story about Abraham and his son Isaac. He's on his way because God told Abraham, and say, he said, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac to me. It's kind of a weird question, but that's what God asked him. He said, I want you to, to sacrifice your son, your first son, Isaac, to me. And sometimes that's, that's difficult to understand because God had just promised Abraham that his descendants are going to number the stars, and yet God is asking him to sacrifice his, like, you know, first son to him. That's kind of conflicting, right? Like, God, you can't have both. Well, anyways, God asked him that of Abraham, and Abraham said yes. So he took Isaac up to this mountain to sacrifice to him. I like it because it's kind of like, you know, I picture the Bible as like a movie in my head. I don't know if y'all do the same, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Abraham's got, like, Isaac on his, you know, he's holding him, you know, Isaac's, like, like looking at him, and he's like, you know, where are we going, Daddy? You know, he's about, he's taking, you know, Isaac up to sacrifice, and he's like, oh, don't worry about it, son, you know, I'll, t I'll tell you tomorrow, you know, or something like, you know, you know, um, and so, you know, he takes him up, and he's about, you know, he's disobeying God, right? God asked him to sacrifice Isaac to him, where, where Christ made, you know, Abraham was fully surrendered, so he said, okay, yes, I'll do it, and, you know, so, you know. This is, you know, a little altar table. He plops Isaac on there. I don't know. He might have been two. I don't know how old he was. Three. I don't know. And, you know, he's like, he's like this. He's about to do it. You know, he's about to sacrifice him. He's right here. 
Because I'm saying this because this is where we pick up and he stops. Because God says, stop, Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. You know, and he says, and this is where we pick up. You know, Abraham was about to follow through with it. He's right here, and then he stops. This is where he pick up. He says, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld your son. He says, since you have obeyed me and you're about to follow through what you said, because this was a test. God was testing to see whether or not Abraham was fully surrendered to his will. He said, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. You see, what God was doing, he wanted to see if Abraham was fully surrendered, right? Because what, Jesus, what God wanted to see with Abraham was, what is Abraham doing with his first fruits, right? Because Isaac was the first fruits of that promise, right? Isaac was the very start of that promise. Because I don't know if y'all caught this. God had already promised Abraham that his descendants were going to number the stars. You know, he already promised him that. And Isaac was the first part of that. But what God wanted to see, he says, what is Abraham going to do with his first blessing, right? What is Abraham, is he going to hold it to himself? Is he, is he going to be selfish with that blessing? Or is he still going to say, God, I saw that you blessed this with me, but I'm not satisfied. I'm still going to surrender it all to you. And the question that I ask myself and ask you, you know, what are you doing with God, with your blessings God given you, right? When God blesses you with something, because, right, God blesses us to be a blessing, right? And if God blesses you and you're holding it to yourself and you're not willing to, you know, give it up or you're not willing to give God control or you're not willing or you're being selfish with it, God cannot or will not trust you with more. But once God saw that Abraham, it says, I have seen now that you're willing to sacrifice. Once he saw that he was willing to surrender it all, he says, you're ready for more. And that's when he promised him. And so, so God can only sustain what you surrender to him. And just like Abraham, once God saw that he was willing to surrender to Isaac, then God sustained his promise. And I think just like there's a lot of promises, there's a lot of callings, there's a lot of gifts in these rooms that God is willing to sustain, but we've got to be, re- be willing to surrender to him. Does anybody, did anybody catch that? There is a lot of promises. Okay, thank you. There's a lot of promises. There's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of callings that God is sustaining, but he needs us to surrender to him, and he will see it through. So that is the third point, that God can only sustain what you surrender to him. Now, my final point, last one, is that there is no safety nets in surrender. And uh, this one, again, I forgot to write it down. I was doing my notes quick tonight. Uh, I believe it's, let me see if I get this one right, First Kings 16, uh, verse 22. Dang it. First Kings 19. <laughs> First Kings 19.20. <laughs> I almost got it right. That was for y'all. Um, now, I'll give you a little context about this as well. Uh, this is a story about Elisha and Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet. He was an awesome prophet. He's done many things through God. He's done many miracles for him. And he was looking for his protege, right? He was looking for somebody to hand off all his blessings, all his knowledge to. And when he was looking, and he found this guy named Elisha. Two different people, Elijah and Elisha. And he found Elisha, and Elisha was just chilling, doing his thing. He was just chilling. You know, it says he was, you know, he was, he was plowing the fields with, like, cows, you know. He was doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, Elijah comes up. He's like, hey, bud, follow me. And then he walks off. He says he put his coat over him and said, follow me. And so Elisha says, well, okay. He said, let's go follow him. 
And then he stopped, and then he did this, and this is where he picked up. He said, hold up. He said, um, and so Elijah taps on his shoulder, right, and this is where he picked up. So Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said, first let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used a word from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, and he passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. What was Elisha doing? Well, I think what Elisha was doing, because God has this called him somewhere, and Elisha was about to turn around and run after God's calling, but, he, but Elisha said, hold up. First, I'm going to burn my safety nets. What he did, he, all this life that he had, all the, the cows, the casts, the tools, everything, he got rid of it all. Because who knows, it's a whole lot easier to follow after plan A if there's no such thing as plan B, right? It's like, who knows, like, when there's no safety net, you're hanging on to that thing. Because, you know, if you fall off, you ain't, you know, you're done. So if there's no safety net, you're, you're hanging on. But I think a lot of us who put safety nets in our lives, and we're hanging on to God's will, we're hanging on to God's calling, we're hanging on to what God wants us to do, but when it gets hard, we let go because we see what's going to catch us. And we have these safety nets. We say, well, there's always that job, you know, or, well, there's always this. Or, well, maybe I can go back to this relationship. Or, well, maybe I can do this. And we have these safety nets in our lives. But one thing I want to tell you is that don't sacrifice your promise for safety nets, right? Because the enemy will put safety nets in our lives on purpose because he wants us to settle for our safety nets instead of the promises God has given us. But that's what Elisha saw. He said, no, you know what? No, I see where God's leading me. I see where God's directing me. I'm going to follow after you with no safety nets, with no insurance and nothing. I'm going to be fully surrendered, right? That's what fully surrendered looks like is saying, no matter what happens, I'm sticking with you. Because who knows, there were some times when Elisha with Elijah and it was hard. And he said, hey, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go back to the cows and the fields. But he said, but when that stuff happened, he said, hey, look, I can't go back. My only choice is to stay with you. And I want to be in this position in my life when even when things don't look right and say, God, I ain't going back. I'm staying on you. I'm staying on the course that you have provided and put forth to me. Because Elisha had to be fully surrendered before he could be fully devoted and dedicated to God's plan. Now, that's the, first, that's, that's the last point. So I'm going to go to the four points real quick. Again, it's four points of surrender is that what you surrender Surrender to God is sowed into his kingdom. There is stability in surrender. God can only sustain what you surrender to him and that there's no safety nets in surrender. So as I'm closing and with every head bowed and eyes closed, and if you're in this place, you're saying, Caleb, I want to be fully surrendered to God. I hear what you're saying. I want to live in this life of surrenderance where there is no sustained safety nets in my life. I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best. I want to fully take off and go after your name, your calling. If you're in this place and say, Caleb, I want to be fully surrendered to today, we're going to pray. God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the opportunity you have put in front of us, God. And I thank you that starting tonight, we're going to be fully surrendered to your will, to your calling, to your promises, God. We're going to be fully surrendered to everything you have for us. We're not going to hold anything back because we know that if we surrender to you, you will sustain us. We know that if we surrender to you, we will be stable. And we know that if we surrender to you, that all that we surrender will be sown into your kingdom, God. 
And so we released our safety nets, released everything, God, and we're just going to chase after you. We're going to chase after your will, God. So I thank you right now that we lift you up. We lift up your spirit. We lift up your truth. We lift up your presence, God, and we are fully surrendered to you. No strings attached, Father. We just want the best, and we want you to just take care of everything for us, God. No worries. It's going to be on our shoulders. It's going to be on yours. All the strength is yours, Father. All the worries, all our weakness, God, it's all yours, God. We surrender it all. Starting tonight, there's nothing we are holding back. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you believe that, if you want to stand up with me as we get ready, and I pass this off to Pastor Bob, and he closes. All right. If you're in this place and you're saying, I want to surrender, but I haven't fully given my, I haven't even accepted Jesus into my heart to know what to surrender to. I want to give you that opportunity right now. And if you want to repeat after me as a church, so we can all be in one accordance, God, let's just repeat after, repeat after me and say, say, God, I believe who you are. I believe that I have fallen short. God, I believe that you have washed away all my sins. You have washed away all my insecurities. I believe, I believe that your son died on the cross for me. So I thank you, Father, for choosing me as I choose you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And everybody said, amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.
you want to turn with me to Mark chapter